I remember being here, at the seaside, when I was a child, back when the days seemed much hotter and the ice creams seemed much bigger, like swirly frozen tower blocks, licking quick before it disappeared. Roll up, roll up. Welcome to the annual Black Rock Carnival on the conveyor belt before me. You see many items. A book of poetry, a horse and cart, a stick of rock, a statue of St. Martin and a mother's love. None of this may make sense to you now and there may not be an atom of meaning in it for you but you will discover their true meaning as the show unfolds. Begin at the beginning and go on till you come to the end. Let's stop. A seaside store and a music shop. Two shops side by side, like father and son. Danny and Connor Hughes live together and work together and share life's joys and struggles together. Connor is Danny's only son, his only child. Connor runs the music shop and Danny the seaside store. Danny is aged 99, like an ice cream. Connor is 45, like a record, or thereabouts. Their story takes place in the seaside town of Black Rock in County Loud. Dad's day starts with an eagerness to get down to the shop. If we get up earlier, we just have to come down earlier. It doesn't mean we can now relax longer in the morning. Or, and then spending our day together in the same building, there's a gap in between us and we just walk into each other's and spend the whole day and have a cup of tea together. And, and then when we go home, well, we eat the same things. I suppose we've made ourselves like the same things, <laughs> limiting as they are. And his diet's horrendous. Yeah, he likes chips every night. Yeah, he loves chips. And okay, I change it every so often to another potato product. I'd say, did you enjoy that, Dad? He said, yeah, it was nice, though. You'd miss the chips, so... <laughs> <laughs> and then we watch the same television, and, and I just wonder, when I'm telling you this, is whether you make yourself like the same things or whether you, you do like them. It's gone too long that I can't remember whether we now always both loved a silent Charlie Chaplin film or whether I made myself like them because he likes them. As long as I know my dad, uh, there's one kind of true thing about him is uh, what he has, he's, he's content with, he's delighted with all he gets or has. And all through my life, one thing I noticed him uh, was that he never disliked anybody and not in a happy sort of way but he, he'd always try and see the, something good in them and maybe somewhat excuse maybe their behaviour and hence then he had no anger towards anybody and without both of these things in his build it just seemed to have freed him up of a lot of boredom of sort of all the negative things that drag us all down and make our days gloomy so by not having all this disruptive stuff in his life it's, it's left him free to be himself to be exactly who he wants to be At nearly 100 years of age Danny has seen and heard many's a thing Well we see I'll show you these things and then we'll go back on the story first We'll begin it back at the beginning Good idea Do you like coming here every day? Well it's part of the business of me I talk to people and I do business it's part of my business 
and I get a, a, maybe an enthusiastic to write a story, which I do every day. I write a story nearly every day. Dark hair, dark skin, dark eyes. I can see he was handsome in his day. He still has a twinkle in his eye. There's a beautiful poem about a girl like you, Molly Malone. Molly you Malone. knew Molly Malone? Molly Malone was a Dublin girl, the queen of the market, as everyone knows. Said she was built like a battleship from the top of her head right down to her toes. She was up with the lark in the morning and her voice could be heard near and far, crying apples and oranges, a penny a piece, and chocolate, a penny a bar. <laughs> And then the ghost. And there's me. Oh. And there's the shop. Now, what do I do from here on? I don't know what anyone could possibly do. Even before the story has started, Danny thinks he's told me everything. Luckily, he has passed his stories on to his son, Connor. I, I don't have that imagination which my dad grew up in. Because when I'd ask him, what would it be like when you'd be on a horse and cart? all day or every night he'd cross the mountain 18 mile. I'd wonder how in that silence he'd, he'd keep going and be happy and he'd say well, when I'd be there Connor I'd be also on the deck of a Spanish galleon and he says like, I'd look up and I could w- I walked out every mast and every sail that was on that Spanish galleon so that's where I was as well as on the road across the mountain what about the banshee? Do you ever sit here a banshee? They used to come regularly right in the rocks in the summertime. Did you hear them? Mm. What did it sound like? In fact, I fell in love with one while I was out fishing in the boat, and she used to come in the boat with me. You fell in love with a banshee? She wasn't really a banshee, she was one of them, she had a long tail. Well, she was a mermaid. Well, I fell in love with a swan. With a swan? It fell in love with you? Yeah. You must have been very handsome for swans to fall in love with you. You are old, Father Danny, the young man said. You are old, but you are so very wise. And you know more than I ever will. Will I ever get to be your size? In my youth, said the father, as he shook his grey locks, stories to keep my mind subtle. Now these stories are in the books on my shelf. Allow me to sell you a couple. I want to know about your life story though. Well, your life story is always with what you've done. Yeah, and what i done was I would just wrote stories most of the time. And when I came to Black Rock, I'd get up in the morning and I'd go up and down the street with a pony car selling fruit and vegetables. And in the afternoon, I was up and down the street with a car selling ice cream. And then at night, I had the showman, the photographs there. And I go away with the showman. I suppose Dad's, Dad's approach to work, and maybe this is when you work for yourself, it, it's just not as hard. No one's ordering you about all day. So for him, work is something he's decided to do because he enjoys it. It's an extension of himself. What he does every day is who he is in, in, in his purest form. He taught me that in order for someone to buy a product, they must buy you first. So they, they must like the shopkeeper or it's unlikely I will sell anything. So the first thing he did teach me is that that people find you warm to them, welcoming and, and trusting. And if you don't, if you're missing any of them things, you're not going to be a salesman. That's the foundation. 
I now have lots of people who come and hang around and enjoy being in the shop, not so much as customers, just as friends of the shop. And Dad had them, and actually some of them are continued on to me now, and some of them, their sons or daughters have continued on to me. So in essence, I feel the concept, this favourable shop where you get a friendly approach, is identical. So long have you been coming here? Since 1968. I started coming in here. It's a long time ago. I was a young fella then. Danny just had a shop here. There was no music shop here at the time. And at that time, the, the place used to be, if I can remember correctly, full of northern people. This shop here, we packed up a Sunday. Danny was always very helpful and very nice. He's a good salesman. Still is. He still is, that's right. And as you can see yourself, he's still battering around the shop here. He sold a fishing rod there. He sold a fishing rod in he would. He'd sell snow to the Eskimos. Would that be right? Yeah. I've always said that's right, but he's a good man. How many shops do you know in the country that you can come in, have a chat, a cup of tea and sing a song? Take it away, Pat. Yeah. Song recorded by the Dubliners of different people. Gee, there, Brandon. Sure. I've been a wild rover for many a year. And I spent all my money on whiskey and beer. And there's no day never. No day never no more. Will I play? The wild rover, no, never, no more. Thank you. It was just the three of us. We were this small family unit that walked our shop and took our holidays. And I suppose when it's just three of you, it's it's kind of a simple family unit. My mummy, she walked the shop too. She was particularly in charge of the staff. It was good in a way because she covered all the areas that Dad wouldn't have been good at. My mummy was completely different to Dad on on all aspects. They admired the qualities in each other that, that they particularly hadn't got, and the gaps were filled by the other. This shop began life as just a seaside shop. Since 1949, they have sold buckets and spades, sticks of rock, violins, holy statues, chips and ice cream. And this is where Danny met his true love. How I met my wife was I used to go on the boat over to Blackburn places. And I was on the boat one day. There used to be a boat to leave Dundalk every week. And on that boat there'd be about half cattle and half people. And I'd go along with the, with the boat. And when I landed Liverpool then I'd go out to where my wife used to work. She was a state registered nurse in one of the hospitals. But before, where had you meet her? I just met her on holidays in Blackrock. She was with her parents in Blackrock originally. I then I went, went further, then I met her in Blackburn, and she was the nurse there. So and you used to go and visit her when she was? I used to, when she was a nurse. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, gradually, started to come occasionally here. And eventually then she fell in love with me and we was dead. <laughs> it's a very pathetic, it's a very beautiful story if you really followed it. And so the substance is there. I remember the day that her father and all the relations came to the pub here. I went round and saw the house. There was no electricity or anything like that. And there was no DDT, DDT in the beds with all fleas. What's DDT? DDT was the powder that they used for killing fleas. You'd fleas in your bed? Every house is for walking alive with fleas. <laughs> what would you do? So there, was no, there was no washing machine. So you bought a shirt and that shirt done you for your lifetime. Ach, no. It did. No 
Well, but she had plenty of money. What's the question of money? It was a question that was nothing. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you do it to shirt? Hand wash it. Oh. Well, when they got married, then my wife used to do it. But... And is she dead? She is. Yeah. When did she die? Oh, she must be dead. Just fifteen or sixteen years. Do you still miss her? I do. I don't. I do. So I've been with you ever since. No, you don't. So I do, and I don't. I say a prayer for her nearly every day or something like that. You still have girls. You still have girls? Yeah. <laughs> Where do you get them? Not necessarily that they would go to bed with anybody or be involved with anybody or anything like that. And if you had a, if you have a camera, there's a beautiful photograph of me there. Mm-hmm. As I am today. And if you buy that book there, you get the photograph there. We're there with that photograph in it. Mm-hmm. Going by the consensus, he's, he's a very handsome man. The charm is extraordinary. There's no there's no walking past my father. They'll say hello, Danny, and he'll say hello back. But he'll always have another comment. Are you back from the Miss World competition already? Or <laughs> something like that. And he really does make you feel like you're the greatest thing that ever walked into the shop. He'll get a letter all of a sudden from America or something and we read the letter. I've been to the Cliffs of Moher and the Lakes of Killarney, but your shop was the best visit of all. Years of memories. Years thinking of fond memories. Memories written down cannot be forgotten. In collaboration with the launch of one of his books, he, at the time he was quite prolific and he'd, he'd bring a book out each summer. And in each book there was one main story and um, the story would then have a place in Blackrock where you could go to see what the essence of that story was. This was all ways of getting more people to Blackrock. For example, you had a story called The Witches of Blackrock and the last line is if you go around to the boathouse area of Blackrock you can see the Witches Circle, which he and myself used weed killer for weeks on end to make this circle and we'd light fires and things just to get the people talking. And then all of a sudden the thing exploded and everybody was talking about that witches were taking over Black Rock. It, it reminded us last of the summer wine now as I tell these stories, and I'm in it. <laughs> Danny would sell anything, even water from the sea. So every year he concoct these stories. And it, they say that if uh, you bathe in the water and the rocks, there's cures in it. For quite a while he was selling the bottles of water from the rocks. And then one day, to my mother's absolute abhorrence, we seen a lad being pushed around in a wheelchair and dipped in the water. So it ended there. We had <laughs> we couldn't face ourselves. Danny has lived a long life and has built up books full of stories. Seaside shops always carried lots of religious paraphernalia. Holy water fonts in particular are big and statuettes. They'd always call to Blackrock on the way home from... Dublin or Bray or the zoo or something we'd be the last call so they'd stock up in presents and they'd buy a dozen rock, it was always a dozen rock and then they'd buy some religious paraphernalia, so our shop always had lots of endless supplies of um, religious goods, but we got caught out one time when a lady came in and asked for a statue of St Martin Dad knew who St Martin was but he wasn't one of the, the popular guys, he wasn't up in the, the head parade of saints, yeah <laughs> he said to her, can you come back in an hour I go, I'll, I'll, I think I can get you one. She did come back in an hour, and within that span time of an hour, my father had painted with shoe polish the face of, I think it was an infant to prague, or Mary even, it was ghastly. 
personification of poor Sir Martin. And uh, I remember this moment where he just flashed it at her. It never stood still when she seen it. It went from him waving it around into the bag without any moment where she could really study it. And off she went. Dad always knew they were going to go getting on a bus. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was the devilment of that. Like it was just that he thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was as simple as that. Blackpool Rock. Oh yeah. Well, to get Black Rock rock made is quite expensive. Blackpool Rock was easy got and good value because it was such a common product. So we got lots of that in and he would sell it in a flash by just showing, showing people the black bit and maybe covering the rest with his fingers. Danny Hughes had the original Happy Meal years before McDonald's. Uh, well, one particular summer, and I guess I, I don't remember which summer it was, but uh, he decided we would enter the, the catering trade. <laughs> and uh, much to my mother's horror, who continued right up to the day we stopped doing it to call it a coffee bar, which... Dad, Dad would have nothing <laughs> but to call it a restaurant. <laughs> I suppose, <laughs> nostalgically, we look back and have a great laugh at all the things that happened in it. At that moment, it wasn't so funny for um, customers, I suppose. Um, there was a few times Dad, of course, wanting to reap every inch of the shop. If there was any space at all, he would clutter with other products. and uh, In particular, over the chip pans, there was pegboard and he used to put key rings of course he'd want to put far too many on and every so often some of the key rings would fall into the chip pan and I remember the particular key rings he always had lots of those speedy gonzalez and there was daffy duck and a few other walt disney characters and then every so often one would be served up in the chips and people would come back and then dad would say that's that's the toy for your happy meal, you see. <laughs> and they'd say, well, you don't expect a toy cooked. <laughs> In our shop, restaurant, you do get, you get your toy cooked. <laughs> there's nobody coming to Black Rock for there's no accommodation for visitors now. They go on the planes to, 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 to Spain and Italy and all them places where they can get cheap holidays. There's an awful lot of people not going on holidays anymore. There is, of course, but there's nobody coming to Black Rock for there's no accommodation for visitors now. No, but for day trips. So you see, there's no people coming, very, very few people. But it's freezing. But when the summer comes... No, no, the weather's good enough. There's no hobby horses here, there's no roundabouts, there's no nothing much. They come to Black Rock, there's nobody to do, only come and talk to Danny Hughes. And he tell you nothing, only hip and lace. For sure, everybody knows that seaside business in its pure tradition of coming and just sitting on a wall or going for a paddle is it's not enough. But strangely enough, this summer is no different than the 40s or the 50s. It's still a joy for a kid of eight or nine to be on a clean beach. Their parents are never as happy as watching a kid digging or making a, a castle. <laughs> A lot of our relatives on my mother's side are in Dublin and it was only when they'd come down to Blackrock that then I would get a really good feeling for what I had that I was a boy growing up right on the beach as such uh, with a father who had a seaside shop and that I worked in it. So when they'd come, they'd maybe not even in words but in their 
by their gestures and, and their adoration of what, what we had, I realized what I had. From then on, I suppose personally, I started to appreciate what I had right to this day. Uh, even just pulling up to come up to see you here, pulling up outside the door. I didn't turn to the shop first, I turned to the beach and watched even on this this day in the end of the summer that kids were holding on to a glimmer of sunshine just to have a, a last dig on the, on, in the sand. Christmas in Blackburn. He'd always have a Santee in the shop every year. We'd, he'd leave it till the last minute, of course, and anybody could get a call up. Even the postman came one day his whole round was interrupted because we needed a Santee then and there, so he was dressed up and, <laughs> and the post was thrown, <laughs> thrown to one side. So that was always great excitement over the Santee. Dad was well known for children's party bags. Uh, if a club, like a GA club or school or something, was having a Christmas party, well, no later than October, and we would in the house in the evenings, myself, my mum, and Dad would have a virtual assembly line while we watched television, of course. It didn't interrupt our, our leisure time. Uh, it was done very much in the, the essence of the, the Chinese industrialists. Uh, we'd all do a piece each, and by the end of it, uh, the last person would click click the bag with a stapler. By the night set, we'd have watched the film and made 200 goodie bags. And we used to use the lifeboat to sometime over Christmas. We'd fill it full of parcels and we'd bring it in here at the pier for the children. And we'd give it the parcels and that happened for about three years. And the name of the boat was the Doug Big Bay. And you used to give all the kids presents? Yes. Did you dress up as Santi? We were dressed up for Santi, yes. He couldn't resist selling stuff. That was one thing. He, he, nothing could curtail the joy of a sale. And I remember one particular example. It was the year that the rally chopper came. I'm not quite sure, maybe 75 or 76. And I'd asked for one. And I was getting one. We sold them in the shop. And, and I deserved it because I walked all that Christmas in the shop. So it came about, there was one put away from me. I remember in particular it was a brown one. And on Christmas Eve a man came in and asked for one. And Dad sold mine. My Christmas present. <laughs> he wasn't just going to sell it and do nothing about it he then got an old bike that we had and he painted it brown and he wrote chopper on it and he spelled it wrong it actually spelled chopper <laughs> and there's a saying in our house when when you when you're in bad form or you're going to lose the head or something and it's always are you going to throw your bike in the tide because that's what i done when i woke up and i seen the blimmin thing i took the bike and i wheeled it across the road and i chucked it in the tide in bad temper the strangest thing is, I'd do it now. If I had a kid and someone come in and wanted something. If somebody, your kid wanted drums, you'd sell them. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't resist if we had a customer. Even though it was done on me, I, I, I can't help it, Your Honour. That's just in me. You can't, you can't, no, you can't miss a sale. Well, I, yeah, I did end up with a chap. No, I did, I did. I got one in January. Come rain or shine, Dad drags our baskets of uh, seaside paraphernalia to the door. A basket of buckets and varieties of spades, fishing nets, 
hula hoops. And uh, this could be a huge stormy day. It's they still go out. I suppose it's it's an unconscious habit with them. If you're not putting them out, it means you're not opened. And then every so often someone says, <laughs> I woke up in the most miserable day in the world. And the next thing is, I seen your dad in all weathers pulling things out. And I thought, maybe, maybe I have nothing to grumble about. And then, of course, the day turns and the days get longer. and The weather subdues a bit. And then it's appropriate to put them out. And we're ready. We've practiced all winter. And maybe that's what's always kept them in form. That no matter how gloomy things are on any front summer does come unless yeah summer summer always comes a mother's love a father's love we kind of done right by mam we we were there all the time and uh, we'd done what she would have asked asked of us and 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 she, our last thing of ask to ask of us would have been to support each other the remainder of the family and we did I think he got a wee bit lost in, in the stories I think they helped him at the time too I think he used you know his, his story writing to consume his time and his memories a bit uh, we go to 9 o'clock mass in Hagerstown which is ideal so it's a nice Sunday ritual for us nice mass quiet mass yeah and that's uh, and then on Sunday mornings after mass then we can um, say our prayers for mammy Twinkle, twinkle, little star How I wonder where you are Up above our house at night Shining down so white and bright Twinkle, twinkle, little star Leave your magic in relationship is um, respectful no matter what I wanted to do even if he knew I was going to fall flat on my face uh, he'd encourage me like most fathers would and then if when it fell flat on its face he'd, he'd be the same he wouldn't be anything other than supportive and, and as a person to spend me days I even find when we sit together on the couch like I'm a grown man there and I snuggle, snuggle into him I don't I don't really sit with a gap in between us. Because <laughs> I know he loves it. He loves uh, the physical touch of me next to him. So um, we do that. It's starting to sound quite weird. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> lovely. Yeah, I'd always, I'd always have one part of my body, maybe shoulder to shoulder or something touching, so he knows. Well, at this age, it'd be real important for him to be secure, to know that I'm about and not a passing fancy. Well, I'm very fortunate I get to spend every day with my father. Not only am I fortunate, I, I know I'm fortunate. I, I recognise the fact that, oh, goodness, another day I have with him. and uh, Isn't this great? Here we are. For me... I just think that's the way things are. I suppose it's just my own personal thing that I've I've never had to do anything other other than be with him. Uh, it means everything. Uh, I suppose since I've no brothers and sisters, uh, he's near, he's nearly like a brother now. So he's kind of all these gaps that I don't have. You know, I don't have a brother or a sister. Or, 
you don't really have so many relatives and things. He, he fulfills lots of them spaces. You know, someday, as plans may have it, I won't have them. <clears throat> so for sure, um, every day as he's with me, I'm aware of it as opposed to just letting one day drift into the next. I'm aware that, oh, great, dads, we're down together here now. and This is this is a joy. can't remember the last time I just took for granted that he's going to be around all the time. I can't say, say that I always felt this way, but definitely as he's become more fragile and fallible, uh, more tender, I suppose, I, I, I realise, yeah, that... These are the days when I should come to the fore and mind him. That's my my duty. Oh God! Uh, to answer a question, am I scared of losing my father? Uh, well, apart from the obvious, you know, it'd be nice to put a a decent answer to that. It, it's going to happen. Um, what I won't be scared of is that I'll look back and think I didn't do right by him. So that body of work will stand to me that I won't feel the agony that I neglected him so I'll have that to help me cope with him I'll have endless endless memories every inch of the shop every stone and on the wall I'll know I'll remember something and I'll have all them things and then I'll realise then how fortunate I was that I had him so long compared to what a lot of people have with our parents or loved ones and through all them things I'll, um, I'll get through him and I done the same f funny enough for my mammy and his wife uh, we'd throw customers out of the shop and, and in response if my mum wanted to go for a walk the shop would be closed and off we go this is the deal we, we mind each other today as we speak he, he's, uh, he's already planned tomorrow that we're buying more spades too many buckets so he's forward thinking he's planning <laughs> he's going to get this economy started what I love most about my father is his enthusiasm for getting up every day he's not apprehensive about waking up like lots of us can be in essence my father's the same as when he was 20 as he is now in his 90s he still believes the same things and even though the world's changed it hasn't really changed for him. He's seen plenty of it, but it's the same. It's still a good place. When I go home, I shall write a book about this place, this magical place that holds memories of times gone by, stories once told we will never forget. Danny, with his sharp mind, his charm, and his sheer strength to get up every single day, in the sun and the snow. Connor, with his honesty and sincerity and his dedication to the most important person in his life, his father. Age really is just a number with both these men. Danny, 99 like an ice cream and Connor, 45 like a record. I feel lucky to have spent time in their world. So, there you have it. A book of poetry, a horse and cat, a stick of rock, a statue of St. Martin, and a mother's love.
these items may still mean nothing to you, but to Danny and Connor Hughes, these memories mean everything. Fond memories I'll keep of happy ways that on earth we trod. And when I come, we will walk hand in hand as one in heaven in the family of God. Oh, my God. lived ever happy ever after. My heart breaks as you take your long journey. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.